Hello and welcome to the Pint of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Harry Graham. Hello and welcome back to the Pint of Sport podcast. We're going to be reviewing the Six Nations tournament that has just finished on Friday night. Got our usual participant in Henry Longhurst. Welcome back, Henry. Yes, Graham. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Looking forward to uh, some restrictions lifted tomorrow. Should be, uh, be fun. Yeah, it was a good sort of bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And then Ward, first time on the podcast since our preview for the Lions tour. So yeah. welcome back. Back in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> so Green, yeah. you said you were hungover as well. Are you feeling a bit better now? A bit fresher? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um... I'm feeling okay. Not a uh, not 100, but uh, much better than I was at, at 12 o'clock earlier. Mm. Well, that's good, right? So Friday night, we know that going into that game, France versus Scotland, France had to win by 21 points and a bonus point uh, by try scored. They didn't do that, so Wales were the winners of this year's Six Nations. We'll start with you, Elliot. What, what were your general thoughts on on Wales becoming the Six Nations champions this year? Uh, to be honest, I thought it was a bit of a anti-climax. I think they're probably one of the worst teams to have won a Six Nations. Um, almost undeserved in a few games, I think, personally as well. They weren't playing amazing rugby. Um, so, yeah, I just wasn't a big fan of it the whole time. I think, yeah, it's a bit of a wasted one, really. Do you think they were the most consistent team? Were they a lucky team? Was everyone else just poor? What, what, what do you think was the main? I think England were poor. I think France were class, but again, quite inconsistent, as the French usually are. Um, Ireland were quite boring, as per usual. Wales, to be fair, were consistent, but like they weren't amazing. They were just, yeah, like I said, just consistent. I think they got, you know, obviously got a few good calls. They beat two teams because they went down to 14 men. It wasn't just that, but it definitely helped. Um, yeah, Scotland actually were looking as good as ever uh, they ever have been, really. So, yeah, I'm quite a fan of Scotland. Obviously, beating France uh, in the last game as well was good to see. Green, what about you? Where do you, where do you sit with Wales at the moment? Are they yeah, the best I think, nation? I mean, my my thoughts are that, that Wales are, are not going to win a World Cup or anything like that. They, they They've... They've been a bit fortunate with obviously England having a terrible Six Nations. Ireland were off the pace. Scotland and France were were good, but were inconsistent. Um, and Wales just, yeah, they're very straightforward. Um, they've had a good Six Nations for them, but I mean, I don't think they're going to be a dominant team going forwards. Um, I mean, you can just look when when Wayne Pivot took over. He won only three of his first 10 games and two of those were against Italy and Georgia. So they've they've not suddenly become this fantastic world-beating team. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone else has been off the pace and they've just managed to, to be consistent enough to, to win it this year. I'll give them that their back line is class, to be fair. They have got a nice back line going on. I thought George North moving to the centre has given a new lease of life. He's looking class. Foxy back at 12 is good, actually. He's been, he's been decent. He's not like... I don't think he's as good as he has been before, but I think he was still good. And then their back three, to be fair, is special. Like Josh Adams is one of those underrated players. I think is he is he the top try scorer in Six Nations or top international try scorer? Something like that. And he just sort of goes under the radar a bit. Obviously, Reece Samet has been class. Like for a young lad, he's 
he's insane, like bags of potential there. And then Liam Williams again, he's just good, isn't he? Like, I think that back line is really quite exciting. Forwards, they're decent, but... Work um, yeah, they're not going to win games for him. So with Louis, you mentioned him there, Louis Reece Summit. You know, there mustn't be a game where he's not mentioned about his pace. Um, is he really? You mentioned there, he's a good player, but Greeny, do you think he's going to be the real deal? Especially moving forward to the Lions tour and things like that. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential to be a really, really good winger. Um, I think I think all the talk about him starting for the Lions and and stuff like that is a little bit premature. Yeah, he's had a good Six Nations. He's um, he's played well at club level, and I think he's got bags of potential. He's obviously absolutely rapid um, and knows his way to the try line. But yeah, I, I think I think especially when you're looking at Lions, there's an abundance of talented wingers across the home nations that I think have got more experience and are probably better suited to a big Lions tour. I think he'll probably get his chance in maybe four or eight years' time or, or something down the line. But I think it might be a little bit premature to be talking about him as a potential starter for the Lions. Do you know what I like about Reece Zammett? I like that, obviously, he's got the gas on the outside, he's got flair to him. But I like how off first phase, sometimes they're hitting him up, but he's got so much gas that a hole that's there for a second, he can get through. So actually, off first phase, he's actually a, a good strike runner, which um, I can't remember which game it was. It might have been the Italy game, but he was just tearing up. He looks good through that. Mm. So, obviously, Wales finished first. Scotland and France were vying it out for second and third. Where do you sit on Scotland? Obviously, when we did the preview last time for the Lions tour, you mentioned quite a few Scottish forwards, Elliot, coming in, sort of, especially in the back row with, um, it wasn't Hamish Watson, it was the other one. Um, gosh, Jamie, Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie. Yeah, he, he, I think he impressed. I think he had an okay tournament. Um, mm. But do you think that they've sort of, made a claim for more people to go in, onto the Lions tour? Yeah, I think so. I think Hard is it Harding, the number eight, had an absolute blinder of a game against the French from what I saw. He played real well. Um, yeah, Hamish Watson, he's getting around and he's doing bits. I don't know whether he makes it into your starting lines back row again. It's a bit like the back three, the back row. There's so many good players in there. Um, for me, I'll be biased and say I think uh, Tom Curry's probably my starting seven for the Lions. So, um yeah, I don't think he's quite quite as good. But like to be fair, he throws himself about. Um, yeah, I like Jamie Ritchie. I've liked him for for a couple of years now. He's real consistent, brings quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, no, I think Scotland have looked really good. Like I said, I think their backline's up insane as well. I think Joan van der Merwe has been tearing up. I really like him, and he's also my starting winger for the Lions tour. Don't lie. Really, you're pulling a bit of a face there. Go on. I mean, he's had a good tournament. He's he's obviously a big, strong ball carrier, and he's he's got the gas as well. Um, but I was watching him against France, and he definitely looks exposed in defence. I think I've not seen too much of him under the high ball, but particularly, um, yeah, in defence, he, he he struggled a little bit. Um, France scored in the corner because he didn't shoot up uh, when it when it was quite a probably simple decision for him to do that, and. I think, particularly for the Lions, um, they're going to have some some good wingers and a good backline and uh, South Africa. So I think we need someone who's probably a little bit more reliable in defence. He, he, I, I wouldn't mind him being in the touring party, but I think there's mm. better wingers in the in the Four Nations. And he'd have a big target on his on his body, wouldn't he, with the, that last name as well? Yeah. 
being in South Africa. Where do we sit? Not we don't want to talk about too much on the Lions tour generally, but are we are we happy with the decision to stay with South Africa, go staying in South Africa rather than it being a home one as well? I think that was quite a big development. Good news as well for the tour, even without fans. Yeah, the Lions is a touring squad, isn't it? As part of it, I think you need it to be be overseas, don't you? Mm. Yeah, um, I, I mean, the, obviously there was the idea of it being hosted in Australia, where there could be a lot of fans, which I thought was interesting. But I think it's all about it's all the financial stuff that isn't going to work out with that. So it's it's a shame that it probably won't have any fans. It's in South Africa, but I think I'm probably pleased that it is because, or or else it loses the essence of what a Lions tour is. So. I'm, I'm glad they've come to that decision. Well, my fingers are crossed because I can, I've still got my hopes of going to that first test, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it will, it will come true. <laughs> so we, we haven't really spoken about them or mentioned them so far. Um, England, not the best of tournaments, fifth place. Um, Elliot, I know you've got quite strong opinions going forward. Um, Greeny, what did you make of it? Was it just sort of a you know <laughs> rebuild year? It wasn't even a rebuild. Was it just a phasing out year? Where, where did you where do you sit with it? Well, we keep talking about they keep talking about this rebuild phase and and whatever. But we got to a World Cup final and got beat by a very good South African team. But just look at the performances, like the semi final against New Zealand, which we were just absolutely fantastic. We had a, a blend of of power and pace and skill. We actually ran the ball, but just played intelligently. And we, I think we've we've come from the World Cup final where we got bullied by a really strong and big South African pack. And Eddie Jones has, has almost looked at that and gone, right, I'm never letting that happen to this England side again. And he's now trying to take on South Africa um, at their own game, which I just don't think is the right philosophy and direction. Um, he obviously brought in Matt Proudfoot, who was, I think, the South African forwards coach for that World Cup. Um, but for me, the, the biggest problem is just being that the players that were selected were... A blend of Saracens players who haven't played any rugby and therefore you can't expect them to be in good form. Um, and the philosophy is just wrong at the moment. It's, he, he talks about wanting to play this flat and attacking rugby and yet we're not seeing even a glimpse of that the entire Six Nations. So there's there's a lot to work on and a lot that I think needs to be changed. It definitely looks flat. I'll give you that. <laughs> Before I come to you, Elliot, I'll... I'll... So I'll just get what I think out. Uh, I sort of agree with Greeny there with the, the way we were beaten by South Africa in the World Cup final. I think I think the way they played does suit the high end, high pressure situations. You know, they didn't ever really put themselves under pressure. They, you know, even if they're on the halfway line, they were kicking deep. Elliot Daly probably saw him as a weak link under a high ball, so they used that as well. But I think the way they beat us with a strong defence and a good kick chase, Eddie Jones, like Greeny says, thought right that could work and it could win as a World Cup. But I also co- think it coincides with the loss of Tuolangi. He obviously doesn't seem to want to play anyone else at 12 unless it's Tuolangi or Farrell. So you obviously lose that go forward to be able to keep the ball. And if you're going to play two tens, you're going to kick the ball a lot, aren't you? And, and it just it just seemed a bit strange this season, especially, you know, when you have players like Sam Simmons sitting, you know, at Exeter playing so well. I even think Joe Simmons could have had a shout. You know, what, what, what's the harm in playing these inform Exeter players, Marcus Smith, Alex Dombrant, uh, Harlequins. There's so many players he could have just, you know, he's bringing in people like Ben Obano. That's fair enough. Phase people in, Max Malins as well. But there's just there's so many players that you just thought, 
I don't think he would have been criticised if he'd have left out a daily, a Farrell this season just because of the fact that I haven't played any rugby. So that's where I sit on it. But Elliot, I know you feel a lot stronger than just dancing around the topic. So that's it. Like for me, it does come off the back of what you've said, but like I think it's a bit I'm a bit more extreme just because of the fact that how many <laughs> how long can you go with Jones being so stubborn that he refuses to bring in all these players that are like crying out, everyone's crying out for people like Simmons. I'd love to see Don Brandt in there. Uh, like say Marcus Smith. There's some real good talent that are all in form in the Prem, tearing up week in, week out. And we insist on playing the same sort of England team. Something's clearly not working. The attack looks flat. Like I said, it just doesn't look like a team that's just going to do anything special. Like you said, I think they're getting carried as well by a few outstanding players. I think Tom Curry, for me, was was insane. Like, the whole campaign is just, like, if you watch him, like, he's everywhere. The guy is everywhere. Like, he's insane. It would, be, it would have been good to have Underhill in there as well. Like, again, he... There, there was a stat about Curry. There's something like um, he... Like, 41% of his rooks that he hit, he either disrupted or slowed down the ball. And... The yeah. next best was something like twenty-seven percent. So he was miles ahead of any other back row or, or, or flanker. Um, yeah, so, yeah he's for like large periods of the game, just being like, look at it. He's just everywhere. Even he's carrying games come on loads as well. Like you'd never think of him as a carrier, but he's carrying off like even first phase ball, and he's he's doing bits like. No, it's that against France. He's unreal. Mm. So the one thing that I do cling on to, and I mentioned it a few times, is the fact that he did this when he, in his first. Two years, he kept hold of Chris Robshaw, James Haskell, Dylan Hartley in his first two years. We had a terrible 2018 Six Nations. The following year, we were so ready and well prepared for the 2019 World Cup because he'd moved them out, brought in the you know likes of Jamie George, who had been around the squad. Then the Currys, Underhills came in. So could it be that this was the last sort of chance for... Oh, you can't say him the old guard because none of these players are old, but, you know... Are we gradually, hopefully in the autumn as well, going to see this sort of cycle starting again where he brings through the younger players and, and goes for the 2023 World Cup? But who do you who do you drop out of this squad? Obviously, the Saris boys, they need to go back and play some rugby. Now, I don't know whether that means going and playing in the Championship. Obviously, Saris got beat by, by Cornish, um, so you can't say it's a... It's a poor standard of rugby, but it's it's maybe not the right preparation for them. But they, they need to go and get some rugby under their belts because they just looked off the pace, all of them. But it's not like we have an age ageing team. It's not like we've got a lot of the old guard. I think there's maybe two, three, four players who are over 30 or 31. It's, it's not a case of they're not going to be there for the next World Cup because they probably will be and they're all great players. But they just need to go and get some rugby under their belts. And I think it's... It's going to be interesting is the big review that's coming up next month that RFU are doing about the Six Nations and um, and, and why we were so poor. And I, I think, for me, they'll stick with Jones. And I think, personally, he warrants um, some more time because he's he's done some really good things since he's come in. Um, we beat Australia 3-0 away. We've beaten New Zealand a couple of times. We got to a World Cup final. But I think the philosophy is the biggest thing that needs to change. And you can argue that Jones won't do that um, but I think if he's going to stay he has to change his philosophy and, and his game plan because it's just not working um, like I think it, it epitomises it in um, in the in their most recent game uh, I think it was Ireland when obviously Max Malin's pulled out the day before with an injury and he reinstated Elliot Daly at 13 a left footed kicker like Henry Slade but then he pulls out 
if, and then puts Elliot Daly to fullback where he's looked completely off the pace, puts Ollie Lawrence in the centre, who is neither a left foot nor a kicker and has also looked out of depth. And we've completely changed how we're going to play the game uh, with no preparation. So there, there definitely needs to be a change of philosophy and, and blood some younger players and talent from the Premiership. But it, it, you can't bring in a Marcus Smith, for example, and just keep playing the same way because he it, it won't get the best out of him. I agree. Yeah, that's fair enough. Are, are you are you willing to stick with Jones then? Because I know you you mentioned. I don't know if you were joking. You just say Eddie Jones out after the Island game. Whether you were just you know saying it for the sake of it, or did do, do, do you think there needs to be a change at the top? I'd say personally, Jones is so stubborn. I just can't see him ever changing his philosophy or changing it for anyone. You know I mean, there's so many times people have cried out for for something to change, and he's not. He's still playing. He's still playing that box kicking game with Youngs, who's not that good at box kicking like at all. He's kicking it off on the fifty, like it's just Christ, it's not good. I think it looks crap, and he's too, he's too stubborn. But we weren't, we didn't play. I don't think we really played like this pre twenty nineteen. I don't yeah. remember thinking we'd kick the ball away so much, and it just seems since post the twenty nineteen World Cup, last Six Nations as well, the fact we won it really flattered us. And probably thought, well, it, it works, and it's just not worked this time round. It's just a bit strange that is he sort of playing a way that will try and scrape us through, so he keeps his job. As he'd be told, you know, if you do badly, you'll fail, uh, you'll be sacked, or what? It's strange, um, just the way he's changed. It's frustrating to see someone like George Ford, who is a fantastic attacking player. He, when he's at his best, he's taking the ball to the line. And he can break down defences, probably better than most tens in the world. But it seems at the moment that he gets the ball and his first thought is kick it. Or where's where's the space in the backfield? Which and then and then you see that there's a massive overlap and it's too late for him to make the decision to go wide. And it's frustrating to see because I, I think he's a quality player and I think he'll hopefully go back and and he uh, apparently had a pretty good game for Tigers uh, this weekend. Um, and I think he'll go and do really well in the Premiership, but he needs that philosophy and he needs to be allowed to go and play the game how he wants to play it and not be told that kick first, pass second. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me, every time I watch George Ford in the Premiership, you can tell he's an international fly half. Like He really does look just a, a level above, but it's, it's a shame that, you know... I think one thing I would be interested to see, he never plays Ford without Farrell. I'm not saying to drop Farrell, obviously, but it would be interesting to see how Ford goes without Farrell outside him, just if he goes maybe a different way and, and plays a bit more freely. I don't know whether he feels a bit like he has to you give them more of the, you know, what's the word? Control of the play to, to Farrell because he's captain or not, but it would be an interesting one to see. Well, Farrell's been one of those who's off the pace because he's not been playing any rugby and he's looked sluggish and... You can't have a twelve who's just not getting around the field and and is a good attacking player. He just, yeah, he just he kind of looked out of his depth. Did, did foul this six nation, which is strange to say because he's obviously a world class player at his best. But um, I, I agree, it would be nice to see a bit of onus or, or control given to some of the more attacking players and and not just yeah give the ball to Farrell, let's find space and, and kick it downfield and, and go from there um well, elliot you 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 said that you think jones is just too stubborn to, to change and and therefore it's maybe better that we look for somebody else i mean look at look at south africa they changed their coach i think 18 months before the world cup they brought in Razi and and he changed it and, and did fantastic so 
who are you, who are you who are you replacing Jones with? Who who are your options? I I've, I quite like the old uh, is it Rob Baxter the uh, the Exeter coach. There's been talk around him, hasn't there, for a while? I think it'd be interesting to see. He's good at again, similar to Jones, like drives this whole culture thing down in in Exeter. So I think it'd be similar with that. And I think yeah, just for me, he just you you won't you won't talk Eddie Jones like you he won't listen. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, there's all these kids like we say informed players crying out and if ever there was a time where we could get away with maybe trialing a few of these players and having a transition year and getting away with it after you've just been to a world cup final it'd probably be this year and like you said we've played real safe he's played it safe it's been he's looked flat i think if ever there was a time to do it it should have been now so why not maybe like you say graham you were saying like maybe there's a pressure and externally from him where he's thinking you know, I do I need to play it safe to keep in the job? How much pressure has been put on him for to to be in the in the chair like for the next World Cup? I don't know, but um, yeah, I think it'd be good for uh, give him a shout. Lee Blackett at Wasps has been insane for them; they've given him a whole new lease of life. Um, so yeah, he, I don't know. I'm not saying give it to him because he's done sick at Wasps, but I'm just saying like you have these coaches that seem to be unlocking like the next level for some teams, and um, it'd be interesting to see. Mm. Well, Rob Rob Baxter. Uh, is a hundred percent a future England coach, um, but I think he said that he's going to stick out his time with with the Chiefs for now. Um, so I don't see him moving. I, I read somewhere the other day that uh, Gatland is uh, um, looking no. for a house in in Twickenham. Um, that was uh, that was the rumor. The other name that I thought was really interesting that that someone floated out there was uh, Scott Robertson, the uh, head coach of Crusaders. Obviously, yeah. they've won. Triple back-to-back titles. He got overlooked for the New Zealand job. Um, I mean, which is 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 a tough job because Ian uh, is Ian Foster. Who, he, he'd been with the, the All Blacks for for years, so he well, kind of he was always uh, the right hand man, wasn't he, of Steve Hansen? So it was kind of the same old, I guess, for them. It's yeah, it's and exactly. So Scott Robinson was an interesting one because apparently he's a guy who is just full of energy, full of positivity. Like he's a bit of a maverick in himself. And I feel like someone like that could maybe just breathe a bit of life into this England team that just looks flat and rigid and boring. Um, new face. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I don't know how easy it would be to tempt someone coming from the Crusaders to live in his, his beach lifestyle to, uh, to turn up to Surrey training camp and uh, in the cold, wet, windy weather of England. So, it won't be going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I don't know. Anyone and, uh, leaving the country, never mind coming for a different job. Um, I've just had a notification that we're on a 10-minute t- timer now, um, and I'll let you both speak it out. So we've got eight minutes until this call cut, so we'll move on. I think we touched quite a bit on there. Um, just quickly, I wanted to bring in the red cards that we, I think we saw a big increase this, this season in the Six Nations with the red cards, especially for Wales. Um, sorry for the teams they played against, especially Ireland, Scotland. I think France as well had a red card. Um, yeah, I thought the French one was brutal. Was it Willems, uh, um, where he sort of clears the guy out and ends up round his head and gets done? Yeah, and I was like, how, who, how would you ever know that you're doing that? Like things happen so quick. It's pure. Yeah. Like I was like, oh come on. So do you think? And, and it's been quite a big problem in football this year that we're going to, um, you know, isolated moment. Like like Finn Russell the other day, there was no real malice in it, but it's gone elbow straight into the neck. It you know, and it and then he landed on Doolan, which didn't really help. But are we like in football the like offside rule is is in that moment? You know, there's no like flow if you know what I mean. If there's a if it's an arm to the head, 
we're looking for a red card straight away. We're not really looking for the context around it. Is is that an issue that we, we might come across or is it a good thing that we're looking at the safety of the player first? I think there's got to be, you've got to be realistic about it. Like I said, with the one with Villa, so he's like, he's cleared him out and ended up his arms just ended up wrapping around his head. And yeah, fair enough. It, it might seem that he's gone high there, but he's not. It's just with the impact, obviously. And his, his arm wraps around and ends up hitting him in the eye. Like that is just pure fluke. Like, Yes, you look at that and say, yes, contact with the eye. Yes, it has to be a red. But I think you've just got to be realistic and think, we are playing rugby here. Like, you're hitting people with impacts. You know, you're, you're flying into things. You're not thinking. Mm. Just avoid his eye. Avoid his this. Avoid it. You're just thinking, get the guy out of there. <laughs> yeah. Ward's way of playing rugby. Just see that, smash it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You just <laughs> hit him and make sure he moves. <laughs> I think, like, a red card at the end of the day has got to be for something that is just flat out violent conduct or just unacceptable yeah. so a high shot in rugby when most of the time it's accidental and you, you're trying to dominate physically like I just don't think it warrants a red I get they're trying to stamp it out so I think it de- they definitely I, I get why they're doing it but for me it just kind of ruins the game a bit when it's not really the most unacceptable thing um, like I thought Bundy Akees was a bit unfair mm. like Funipola is a big guy um uh, he's difficult to chop. He's got big legs, but he stumbled into it. And I don't think there's a lot that Bundy Aki could do. He's not a violent player. So, yeah, it's it's tough, but I feel like Reds are a bit harsh for some of these that we've been seeing. What well, well, the, uh, the rules? Sorry. Um, what do we reckon of rolling out, uh, rolling people out of the ropes, the crocodile rolls, or whatever you call them, on, on old Jack Willis? I feel feel horrible for him. Like, yeah. That it was actually awesome. pained me to see it. I was good for the guy. Well, the thing is, that player who did it, he came in from the side as well. Like, well I, I think agree, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, yeah, just, it's a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's not good, is it? Out. Yeah. Just going back to the uh, red card thing, I think the two that stand out for me was the Pito Marnis for Ireland. That was a pretty blatant, blatant red card. He's come flying in. Like, he's seen the man from a fair distance and he's just absolutely smashed him straight in the head. Fair enough. Finn Russell's, and I think the... Um, was it Xander Ferguson who got sent off for Scotland against Wales? Because I think he did the same thing as Omani. Um, yeah. But then you think Finn, Finn Russell, you know, he's gone for a handoff. Doolan's quite short. He's just copped one in the neck and he's been sent off for it. And luckily it was 10 minutes left and they both had, you know, a, a high five after and said, you know, cheers, sorry about that. It's yeah. just, it just seems, to, as I say, I just do worry that we're going to go and it's going to start really impacting the game, especially when, you know, in 20 minutes, Someone could be down to 14 men for the whole game and it just could ruin it, I think. Yeah, absolutely kills the game, doesn't it? One man down absolutely changes the game. Like, it's so severe. I think, yeah, it's a bit nausea. Mm. <laughs> nausea. Right, so we'll move on to the final topic. I appreciate it's been quite rushed, but um, we're on a bit of a t- time limit now. Moving into the summer, um, mentioned it before, the Lions uh, tour. We obviously did a preview, um, I believe, last summer. Do we see big changes from what we initially thought? Have people played their way into contention now? Sexton mentioned it before the England game for Ireland. You know, this will get us more representation in the Lions tour. Um, do you think? Do you think it will be quite Wales heavy now, or where do we sit with that? Yeah, um, I mean, there's certainly some England boys who have probably played themselves out of contention. And the annoying thing is, the time that Eddie would have probably started to blood some new players would have been during that Lions tour because England was supposed to go on a summer tour to the US. So there'd have been a lot of England boys on the Lions tour. Great chance to bring in some new people, but <laughs> that might, they might not get the chance to do that now because they might not get picked. So, um, yeah, I think I think 
Um, the Scots have definitely added some names into the book. Uh, it, it will be Wales dominated. It always probably was going to be anyway. Um, but I think, yeah, I think someone like Sexton has has shown that he's a reliable operator. So he'll definitely be, for me, probably starting. So um, I don't I think you can know. I bet you Alan Wynn starts with Mario. Like I just know it. Oh. But to be fair, he's actually played decent. So you can. There's no other second rows really. Although I do like Tag Burn. I think he, him and Mario, but then you're looking at two. The back but God, they're good. Mm. I mean, I just, I just think, I just, I just don't rate Wales that much. That I think anyone who gets picked from them is so boring. They're such a boring team, but they've won. So you can't really argue with any selections. George North will start 13 as well. I don't want to see. I think okay. it should be. I think Robbie Henshaw's played his way into the starting centre role for for the Lions. Henshaw played class. Uh, yeah. Um, I think um, that'll be the 12 13 combo. Um, Henshaw yeah. and George North. It's I mean, boring, isn't it? But they've both played class, so you can't really complain. You, you, there's, there's a couple of Welsh <clears> players <throat> that are definitely going to be starting and should. Like you say, Alwyn Jones, uh, Tulipe Falatau has been really good. He's um, the option now, isn't he? Like it's got to be by it, default, it's got to be him. 100%. Um, Liam Williams, for me, has to play, um, particularly if South Africa are going to. Bombarders with high balls. You could have him and Stuart Hogg as part of the back three, which I think would be pretty, pretty solid. Um, yeah, so there's definitely some happen. some Welsh players that warrant starting. But yeah. I think, yeah, like talk about. I think Ken Owens will probably start at hooker now. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of Welsh players in that starting lineup. Mm. It's certainly an interesting. I'm, I'm really intrigued for when the squad announcement does come out. I think I think we're not going to be too pleased, but we can't really argue with it. Uh, can't play. I'm just going to play the safe card. Um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the uh, time you're taking on a Sunday evening, uh, and thanks for joining us. See you next time. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, Greg.